0: On this episode of The Week in Sports Cars, also known as Where in the World is my co-host, Graham Goodwin. Well, we want to say thank you, my friend, to Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com. We want to know where you are, and we're probably going to want to start the show this week with a little bit of sadness, uh, if not a lot of sadness. But tell us where you are, how you are doing, and then let's get rolling, my friend.
1: Well, uh, I'm in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates and uh, as I speak to you, we're just getting through the final preparations for the opening round of the Asia Le Mans series tomorrow at the Dubai Autodrome, uh, rounds one and two here this weekend and we move from here um, uh, to Abu Dhabi an hour and a half down the road for the final two rounds and so far lots to talk about. Nobody we've got questions, we can come to those later but yeah, Marshall, I share. I can hear it in your voice. It's a sad day.
0: Yeah, we have we have the announcement, which should be out now, that Mazda will be exiting IMSA at the end of the season, exiting DPI specifically, noting that IMSA also is sanctioning body for the Itamitsu MX five cup series many of us just have referred to as the global M X five cup for a number of years. So no changes to Mazda's commitment to its MX five series. It's massive grassroots motor racing, amateur racing support in the country. It is, though, shuddering, Graham, its DPI effort at the end of the year. A program we can say for sure started off, we're talking specifically on the DPI side. I mean, they've been doing prototypes for a long, long time. But if we're talking the most recent program, one that started off with a lot of challenges... But I think fair to say, through round one this year, Rolex Twenty Four Daytona, one that has rallied to become a significant force. Tough, my friend, when you learn that something that is indeed succeeding is going mm-hmm. away.
1: Yeah, and you know, yet to dig into uh, the entire reasoning behind this, but clearly, right now, the global economic situation is not helping. We've got the sports in rapid transition, uh, some of it regulatory-led, some of it financially-led. Uh, that uh, pulling back to a single car for this season was a signal, I guess, that uh, something was under under consideration underway. But I'm struggling, to be honest with you, um, with this one beyond two thoughts, MP. One is the potential for that programme, because it's, what, 21 podiums, five wins since 2017. But also, and I mean this very sincerely, real sorrow for those directly involved in the programme. It's... Tough for everybody when a fan-favorite program, and the RT24P program certainly is one of those, uh, goes away. But never tougher for those who put their heart and soul into it and take their livelihood from it. So if you're listening, the guys and girls behind that effort, whether or not you be at Mazda, at Multimatic, at any of the other organizations that put it together, uh, you know, our heartfelt best wishes for what comes next.
0: Though there was no explanation given in the release, Graham, I do have a, a little bit of understanding this, I should say, on the back of deciding to downsize the program, as you mentioned, from two full-time cars from 2017 and DPI through 2020 to a single effort this year, the number 55 Mazda RT24P. The downsizing an in indicator... Financially, there might have been some questions about the program's long-term stability. There was another angle that was posed by some or considered by some being, well, there is LMDH coming in 23, and we know that's going to require sizable investment from every manufacturer deciding that's either chosen to come in and announced it. We have three so far, Audi, Porsche, and Acura. We expect two to three more to be there, if not more when this launches in IMSA in January of 2023. So could Mazda be saying, well, we want to stay. We want to do LMDH. It's a pretty big step in terms of technology and what they're going to be doing. Cost to compete, you would think, when you have a number of big manufacturers either coming in or recommitting. You could see the mindset of, well, maybe we're going to downsize and bank some of that budget to help the development process for an LMDH not the case the opposite exactly so part of this announcement the Mazda Motorsports director been there about 15 months fine gentleman by the name of Nelson Cosgrove who came to Mazda from Toyota Racing Development Uh, he is leaving at the end of the month Mo Murray good man been a part of the Mazda program for quite some time on the executive level, racing executive level, former program manager in MotoGP and a lot of other things. He'll be taking the reins from Nelson at the end of the month, but there's some significant changes here. And I'd say it's all due to timeline. Why is Mazda stepping out at the end of this year and why aren't they going forward with LMDH? I just suggest And I haven't spoken with Nelson. uh, We're meant to later today, but I believe that there's an alignment here, Graham, of timing insofar that for a 2023 LMDH manufacturer program to be on the ground and competing at Daytona in a little under two years' time, factory level decisions, factory level budget commitments need to be in and approved within the next couple months at most I actually have a story i've trailed here once or twice and i guess i really got to get done now speaking with nelson prior to the roar before the 24 on how does a manufacturer decide to do this what's the process what's the timing i'll put that together even though he's now leaving this role but there's a timing aspect here of if mazda was going to do it they are on the clock heavily to say yes or no and it appears well clearly they have said no and with the decision to say no, it also appears they've said, well, we're not going to indeed wait until the completion of the DPI formula, stay through the 2022 season, and then bow out. Since we've decided we're not going to do an LMDH in 23, we'll just curtail our activities at the end of 21. So I think, Graham, the, the overarching reason as well, Some questions about what Mazda will or won't be in the future. We know that there's a joint plant they're building with Toyota. Questions as to whether Mazda could be wholly owned by Toyota at some time in the future. What is their future as a road car brand? I don't expect it to go away, but again, there's questions. What's going to happen in the future? I don't know if they have any hybrids for sale in North America that might align with what an LMDH program could help promote or enforce. So I think questions about the future, understanding that to go up against Audi and Porsche and some of the other big names we know are coming in, even if they haven't been announced, I think in light of the budget reduction to a single car this year, you have to assume someone internally said, whoa, we're going to do LMDH. We're going to have to spend a ton and we aren't as big by any measure of those that we would be going up against. I think it's a bunch of these things, Graham, the timing, go, no, go, basically right upon us a decision to say, no, we're not. It's going to cost way too much. Some questions of who, what are we going to be? How might we evolve as a brand in the coming years? I think this might be received. To close in this topic, Graham, at least from my end, on less of a "we're abandoning" and we're just leaving for random reasons, and more of a "we'll be back." We're just not exactly sure when and where. I know I've been through about three or four of these with Mazda, and it's not that's not a criticism. That's just maybe uh, <laughs> a citation of how old I am, but also the fact that. Manufacture efforts like these are cyclical. The highs, the lows, the booms, the busts, the peaks, the valleys. Uh, We've been at a peak here for many years. I think starting in 2005 with that rotary-powered BK Motorsports Courage LMP2 chassis through Lola Mazdas with Dyson and with others with SpeedSource diesels back to petrol-powered DPIs, you name it, LMP1, LMP2. Uh, I think we're just at the end of this cycle for them, while they figure out what they want to do and what they want to be in the future.
1: Yep, it's uh, well. Let's hope it's a pause rather than a full stop. Let's hope so. Um, sad. It's just sad. Uh, you know, it's 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 not. It's it's been a program marshal with its ups and downs. It, it did seem to be on the uptick again, albeit with that uh, scaled back, um, you know, commitment to the single car. Um, but uh, at least now what we have is is some certainty. It's one of those ones, those boxes that can be checked uh, in the negative uh, moving forward immediately. Uh, should we push on?
0: Speaking we- of moving forward immediately, as the man who selects the various categories that we work through in each episode, all driven by our listeners who send in questions, some send in rants. Rarely do those rants match the uh, the volume or venom of one G. Goodwin, though. But where, dear Selecta, shall we start?
1: Well, we have had a couple of weeks where IMS has been the predominant um, Eric questioning, for obvious reasons, that season has started. However, the season is now underway for one element of the category we call WEC, Aslums, Elms, and Aiko, uh, specifically the Aslums, uh, We have already had cars on track at the Age of Le Mans series here in Dubai. So we, back up.
0: we will, and I love that you chose that, because I'm tired of starting with IMSA. Uh, plus, we <laughs> lost you with a couple cutouts there, so even better. But, hey, we are truly talking... Halfway around the world from each other, via one G service. I don't even know if yeah, it's- we we have. Yeah,
1: we, we have particularly shonky Wi Fi here. I'm afraid um, uh, in, in Dubai uh, next week. Um, uh, how could we put this? A spectacular hotel uh, that better have better Wi Fi. Otherwise, there'll be questions asked. Uh, but uh, yeah, looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to rather better opportunities to communicate with the outside world. But uh, yeah, one G it is for the moment.
0: Alrighty, well, that means I hurl questions at you, starting with our man, James Counter. Graham, what are you looking forward to for this weekend's Asian Le Mans Series opener, and what should we be looking for?
1: Um, I'm looking forward to all of it, to be honest with you. We've already had cars on track for private testing, and then yesterday, we've got, well, one of the issues here is we've had some pretty spectacular early morning fog. The late change to come to Dubai means that uh, the Asian Le series has been rather crowbarred into a meeting that's focused around the Asian F3 championships. There's a lot of track time across, I think it's four or five other series, Asian F3, uh, UAE F4, uh, local radical series, and actually, I think for the first time ever for me, MP, we've got uh, bikes out there, the 650 Supersports out there. I don't think I've ever been working at a race meeting. where We've had bikes and cars at the same time, that, by the way, also means we've got some setup uh, quirks that uh, some of the uh, runoff areas and gravel traps need to have uh, a- extra protection added to them. That takes some time. Any boats,
0: so, uh, no airplanes. Boats yet. That would be awesome. No, the first sure. two wheel, four wheel uh, hydro and aero competition. <laughs> I want all four, maybe drones as well
1: well we 'll say that uh, one of the last times I was here in Dubai a couple of years back now with the dubai twenty four hours uh, on the first day, we we had this rather murky, misty view over towards the main dubai city and could clearly see something looked oddly like a um, a emirates a three eighty parked by the interstate, uh, just uh, just off the end of the uh, the, the property at uh, Dubai Autodrome, which turned out to be a full-size Airbus A380 in full Emirates livery, composed entirely of flowers for a floral exhibition. Aww. That's the kind of bon- bonkers sort of place it is. But what we're looking forward to: lots of new. So lots of new. Uh, we've got, I think, another example. Uh, of, of what we already saw at the Rolex 24 Hours at Daytona, with more teams and drivers in particular showing interest in positioning themselves that 2023 we talked about in the fringes of the uh, Mazda story, MP Nikki team. Uh, the uh, reigning WC GT World Champion is here and is racing in LMP2 for the very first time. We'll have Kelvin van der Linde uh, taking that seat for the Phoenix Racing team in Abu Dhabi. The Phoenix Racing team moving across to LMP2. Um, so all of that uh, going on, new faces in uh, LMP3, the very first run uh, in competition for the new Ginetta LMP3. A few uh, teething issues with that car and a spectacular um, gt3 field i think it's six makes um with uh a, just a ton of factory talent i think we've got a, something like 16 current factory drivers in the record 36 car entry i'm looking forward to all of that i'm particularly looking forward to how these cars as a mixed class race will uh, race about around two circuits we haven't seen this mix before aco rules racing has never visited dubai autodrome before neither has it visited yas marina so those uh, circuits have had a variety of comment positive and negative um, applied to them it's going to be interesting to see how it all works out with a different mix of cars final thing is I've covered the uh, Dubai 24 hours numerous times, both as a Britain journalist and as a TV radio uh, presenter uh, for the Creventic organisation and a fine job they do of facilitating that for us. What we do have here, though, um, are more cameras and camera views of the circuit I've never seen before. Uh, So some of the camera placements, I think people are going to find that interesting. The really good news, by the way, and one of the things I was looking forward to um, before we came here, uh, it was a long time before I could tell uh, my readers and our listeners, is my new co presenter, and that is Ollie Gavin. And Ollie has been an absolute delight to work with. He's having fun, he's enjoying it, and he's very good at it. Uh, final bit of uh, good good cheer on that one is it is. All of it live and free across a huge array of streaming platforms and web-based platforms around the world. Um, There's not a lot of other motorsports. Even if you're not convinced by it, take a look. See if we can entertain you if if we can. That's two weekends of lockdown uh, accounted for with 16 hours of motorsports. So I'm delighted to be here. It's been an exhausting week so far. Um, but uh, there's a lot of good stuff to look forward to. And lots of lots of people around MP. Um, Oli Gavin spotted Andrea Montemini in the paddock uh, earlier. today. Yep, yeah, Neil Yani is here. Um, his family mentor and manage uh, Yife Ye, uh, emerging talent from China uh, as another young man. Doing uh, the, uh, the, the having a look at uh, LMP two and finishing uh, coming second on the the grid for tomorrow's racing qualifying earlier, so it's just a bit more of a gathering of the clans, and we've not had much of that lately. And uh, yeah, it's got me buoyed up and enthusiastic about motorsports after what's felt like a pretty long winter.
0: Two follow up questions for you, although we somewhat regularly. Mention that you happen to do this thing where you speak words into microphones on behalf mm. of whether it's the W C in this case the Asian Le Mans series. You mentioned free and available. Where do our dear listeners find the vision and sounds and whatnot to hear yourself and uh, Oliver Gavin? So that's the first question. There is a follow-up after.
1: Okay. So uh, principal platforms: the uh, series website, series uh, YouTube page uh, will be carrying it. Uh, All the usual social media platforms in the U.S., Motor Trend On Demand have got it. The Race have got it. Uh, I was sent just a little while ago the foreign language uh, links, um, so I could actually pass them on to Yife Ye, uh, who'd been asking about how he can actually inform his family back in China where to watch, and there's just a myriad there. So take a look at the series website. There will be a broadcast options page there. The reality is if you go to YouTube or another kind of video sharing or streaming platform, put in Asia Le Mans series, the odds are you're going to find it. If not, then your your, uh, search engine of choice will find that too. Uh, We go live with the race tomorrow afternoon, race towards... Uh, the end of the afternoon and then almost into darkness here for the second race on Sunday and then two late afternoon races uh, under the lights at the end of the races in Abu Dhabi. Uh, It's an intense program, but six entries to Le Mans will be decided by Sunday evening next week. One for the LMP2 championship winner, one for the LMP3 championship winner. And because we've got this record 19 car, uh, GT3 entry. The way the formula works nowadays, it's one for every complete four. That means we've got four of those GT teams will be going to Le Mans should they choose to take up the auto- automatic invites and enter something else next year.
0: Follow up question: I realize that you have yet to complete your first broadcast event with Mr. Gavin, but can you tell us why already he is your favorite British? co-host uh compared to alan mcnish and martin uh
1: well uh, well well, well, he's uh, he's certainly taller than alan uh so very 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 significantly taller it's amazing how Um,
0: likability is linked to height
1: yes it's funny that, isn't it? I do find that when it, you know when you're in a bar and you need something to lean on, it's not as handy for that as Alan would be. Uh, but uh, as you look, Ollie's a delight, an absolute delight. I've not spent enough time with Mister Gavin to this point, but we've, we're having fun with it. Um, we're learning a lot from each other. Uh, I think he's learning fast, as, as you might expect for someone coming in to do live TV for the first time. A few uh, nerves about this, that, and the other. But he's been uh, – you know what? You can understand why he's so widely respected in motorsport and the team environment just from the way he approach, approaches this. He's disarming in terms of the uh, TV production staff who sometimes can be quite a hostile environment. No. I know, normally pussycats, aren't they? But he's, he's slotted in beautifully. I think he's just going to get better and better at this. Fr- frankly, we've done one live broadcast for 45 minutes so far, plus some rehearsals. I'm looking at what I'm seeing there and finding it difficult to believe we're not going to be seeing an awful lot more of him when uh, broadcasters looking more an ex- but, uh, witness of choice uh, get out there I'm going to try by the way tomorrow with the fog lifting uh, we're going to go out in the safety car at water freighters has uh, given us the keys go uh, out just as the fog is lifting before the F3 action starts tomorrow morning at breakfast time what I'll try to do is to do a little bit of filming as we do that uh, get Ollie to just commentate around that lap and pop that up maybe on Twitter or our book uh, book of face uh, at some point tomorrow, maybe on the Marshall Pro podcast thing, but uh, come, you know, come along with us. You know, enjoy the ride with this, and let's see just what future we can carve out for, frankly, one of the most storied and, well, the most successful GT drivers of the current generation. Um, learning lots from him, some of which I won't be saying on air, but uh, there's been lots of tales about lots of people. Some of it even repeatable.
0: What? Oh, man, that scares me. Uh, Ah. I'm going to bounce around a little bit on our WECASM-Elms-ACO question list. Why don't we go with first-time submitter Daniel Summerskill. Thanks for uh, joining in the fun, Daniel. Daniel. Yes, he says the uh, ELMS entry list announced, is meant to be announced, was announced possibly today. I apologize. I was busy. Okay, writing something else, so might not have seen it. Asks, how many cars are expected to be announced? Realize we're getting to this after the fact, but hey. Will it be more or less than the Asian Lamar series? Any surprises?
1: Uh, Right. So the answer is it's a 43 car full season entry. And I'm fully well aware there are going to be some additional uh, race by race entries. Phoenix Racing, for instance, not listed as a full season entry in LMP2. It's 16 full season LMP2s. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but they didn't, uh, including, by the way, a surprise LMS entry for WRT, who therefore have got one car in, in WEC, one car in the European Le Mans Series. So it's 16 in LMP2. It is 17, a record uh, in LMP3, and the first double digits GTE entry. Uh, remember that class everybody thought was dead? Not this year. Uh, it's double digits GTE entry since 2014 for the European Le, Le Mans Series. Plenty of surprises, particularly in LMP3 where we've got some uh, new names and some returning names coming back. Uh, the The list of drivers is not yet full. What we do know is Robert Kubica will be there for WRT. He's named in their car. Uh, I'm very aware that some of the teams we have here... Um, Stand-up and be counted G-Drive Racing are making their determinations on driver squad based on the performances of some of the young drivers they've got here, uh, including one young man I think we're going to be hearing a lot of, uh, young 17-year-old Argentinian driver Franco Colapinto, who puts uh, his G-Drive Arris on pole here Uh, this afternoon, Uh, a very confident and able young man being looked after by none other than Jamie uh, Campbell-Walter, ex-WC GTM champion and uh, LMP1 driver of some note back in the day. Um, So the answer is it's an impressive grid. Uh, It's uh, got depth in every class. Uh, There are some very uh, encouraging names indeed, uh, in particular on the LMP2 entry list. The next thing we've got to do, and I'll do that before we get to the weekend in sports cars next week, is have a bit of a crunch of the numbers and work out just how many of those, well, it won't be 43 because the LMP3 cars are not eligible cars, but of the 26 eligible cars for the Le Mans 24 hours, how many do we think we'll get the nod and how many will get towards the, uh, the reserve list. But uh, encouraging stuff and chatting away here to a couple of industry and journalistic colleagues, The standout uh, standout kind of conversation piece here is how on Earth, with the planet in economic disarray, are series after series coming back with significant numbers, record numbers in some instances, of entries in pro and racing. I should tell you by the way as well, a very good uh, sources that tell me that uh, in Europe, the SRO uh, series look like they're gonna be equally as healthy uh, on the European front, GT World Challenge Europe, the GT4 European series looking at significant numbers too. I'm hearing good things as well about GT Open. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to potentially a question later, but GT World Challenge America had an encouraging uplift, too, of GT3 entries when those entries were published earlier this week. Um, I'm lost lost to understand quite how this is being achieved, but it most certainly is being achieved, and we're going to see some great racing, hopefully to blow away the cobwebs and something of the COVID, um, later on in 2021. Though I would say, MP, I do expect we're going to start to see some slippage of some of the starts to some of those seasons in the not-too-distant future.
0: Just going to mention here, a little bit of a random sidebar, not WEC related, but did want to extend uh, our condolences to James Hinchcliffe, uh, fairly well known for IndyCar, but also a very uh, frequent participant in sports car racing, whose father, Jeremy, has just lost a more than a year long private fight uh with cancer just a sweetheart of a man and uh, mm-hmm. if you saw james at the rolex 24 or the indy 500 or you name it what wherever uh, if his father nicknamed Jair bear uh, if you saw james his father was uh, often close close by with a giant smile uh, taking great pride in his son's uh son's achievements so just saw had known about this for a while and and whatnot but just saw that uh hint shared this publicly so just wanted to insert that here uh, you always hate uh, hate when someone who brings nothing but light is lost yeah let's go to uh yep. nicholas kahoot uh graham he says is there any indication of how competitive the janetta g61 will be hoping to see more of those they are the easiest on the eyes of the current lmp3s
1: uh, I had A long chat with Charlie Robertson, genetic factory driver here with the ARC Bratislava car. Two of those cars here on site and one at back of the garage with body work off gives us an opportunity to take a look. Not been on the ultimate pace. It is brand new with very little testing that's been done on the car. Uh, they did find a couple of fundamentals that uh, they think will unlock some pace. Um, but uh, I think the eye-opener for Charlie and for the RC Bratislava team is having spoken to one or two of the well-established P3 teams is just the level of engineering that is going into some of the other entries here, in um, in particular the United Autosports cars. We have three Legers here. And I think that's been a bit of an eye-opener in terms of just what you're up against. It is not roll spec racer off trailer, put tyres on spec racer, uh, push Porsche uh, spec racer to racetrack race car. Uh, there is massive engineering support, not just on site, but remote support from the engineering um, backup team. They've got back in Yorkshire uh, here. In, well, I say here in the UK, I'm not in the UK, in the UK, uh, which just goes to show the kind of yardstick for what's now required to achieve the results that those top teams get. It is a very good looking car. Uh, Looks very well screwed together to me for my relatively untrained eye. Um, And we've seen some encouraging flashes of speed. Uh, It wasn't a million billion miles off the pace uh, in the final test session that we had before free practice started. Uh, And that was without having ever run the car on um, new rubber. In fact, Charlie telling me that the very first time he'd run the car at all on new rubber... In any uh, running, was in qualifying this afternoon, which is pretty fairly extraordinary. I expect to see the car not at the sharp end of the grid. I hope to see the car running reliably, and I hope to see the car taking the flag uh, tomorrow. And uh, well, we never do know, do you, in a field of 36 cars and a fairly unfamiliar circuit to many of the drivers, just what may transpire. Let's hope that part of it is that the genetic gets an opportunity for a worthwhile finish. Don't expect it to be spectacular, as I say, but it is a very pretty car, and I hope somebody puts the effort in to unlock the potential.
0: We are going to a pair of questions about Antonio Felix da Costa and, I believe, a French manufacturer named Pugiat. Um one. Actually, one of, I think, my in junior high school... Uh, no, in junior year of my high school, I had a classmate ask, uh, if it was pronounced, uh, P-Gay. Wow. P-Gay. Yes. Pretty good. Um, we have two folks, Will James and Gustavo Bamba asking more or less the same thing. Hey, uh, DaCosta, Hypercar, uh, what's up? Why isn't he part of that lineup? Could he bounce back and forth between the, uh, the DS Formula E program, et cetera, et cetera. So any thoughts there? Because clearly a couple of our readers were really expecting young Antonio to be named.
1: I think some of the early rumors suggested he might be. Uh, He's certainly a driver of very high quality indeed. He also happens to be quite a nice bloke, uh, which is always a plus, particularly if you've got a uh, uh, a public-facing program of any sort. I think what I'll say about this is there'll be more opportunities emerging. Not necessarily for 2021 and 2022, but beyond that, and I know there's an awful lot of people in motorsport that have got him pretty high up on there. Um, you know, check this guy over list. So I don't think we're going to be too far away from a situation where Antonio Felix da Costa and others are finding themselves, um, you know, linked pretty inextricably to gainful employment with something approaching a factory effort in sports car racing. I think it's going to be a boom area. You know what you were saying a little earlier MP in the fringes of the chat about Mazda, um, you know, the numbers, the opportunities are going up. That is the chat around this paddock and others that uh, people are looking to just put themselves into a position where, you know, those opportunities will come forward. What we don't know, of course, is what other opportunities Antonio Félix de Castro has already got in his pockets. There might well be already conversations underway, either directly or with his management group, um, about opportunities that might come with other names that are already out there um, in the public domain. Um, I'd be surprised if he wasn't a name that comes uh, into focus for a pretty major force in sports car racing. And the answer, by the way, to the follow-up question is no. I'm not saying that with the benefit of any knowledge whatsoever. Just simply that uh, we deal with sensible people in motorsport; they can see talent when it's presented in front of them.
0: Antonio Felix de Goodwin. That sounds Ooh. like the name for your next dog, by the way, or cat, <laughs> or fish. Maybe that's the fish we need to get. DailySportsCar.com's Ryan Kish. But I think we should. He'd kill yep. it, right? He'd let the thing die. So maybe we shouldn't, because we like uh, young Antonio. Let's see. Why don't we go to Geronimo Lazo says, hey, guys, already hyped for the beginning of the Asian Le Mans series. Hey, I need to decline the call that's coming in because it's from someone I need to talk to, but can't right now because it's under embargo. Um, He's curious about the Asian Le Mans series, says whack the 2021 official entry list in Formula (coughs) Areca. I mean, LMP2 lists only one liegee. He asked, do you expect it to be competitive? Is there any hope for some more variety in the future? Or someone to fight those uh, Areca bullies? says, be well, and yet again, thanks for the effort.
1: Uh, right, so I think the answer is the uh, Ligier in the Age of won't be ultimately competitive, but that's because it sits in the lmp 2 AM subclass. It's three uh, gentlemen drivers. Uh, it's uh, Neil Muston, who mixes his time in fast race cars with driving, uh, with driving, with piloting fast jets. Uh, it is Phil Milicek, uh, who's, oddly enough, principal business interest is in business jets. And it is uh, James Corbett, uh, who is an Australian businessman. So the answer is it's not going to be competitive. does look very handsome, by the way, in a deep blue uh, kind of color scheme. As for anything coming out to... Uh, challenge the dominance of the Oricas. Well, we saw flashes, didn't we, at uh, the Rolex 24 with the Settler racing car. There's potential for that car maybe to run uh, the odd additional IMSA race in the future, but as for others that might emerge, there was one non-Orica uh, that I thought might be on the uh, list for the uh, the, uh, the European Le Mans series, but that is a list of 16 Orica chassis, albeit two of them Uh, name for the Aris, uh, the Russian limousine organization that are indeed the uh, Orica 07s. I think the reality is can't argue with the fact it's the best car. It just simply is. And you'd have to ask yourself, if you're actually looking to do some of that winning, why would you invest in something else?
0: Speaking of winning, I was totally wrong on who was calling. I thought it was someone from a sports car manufacturer. It was indeed young Cody Ware. Speaking of, of Asian Lamar series talent, yes. So yes,
1: a reigning LMP2 champion, oddly enough, and shared uh, a garage with Phil Mulichek.
0: I don't even know who that is, but it sounds like a real it's a, person. It's
1: a, in the in the Azure in the International car, but uh, I think we we both know why Cody Ware is calling.
0: Yes, he is going to be racing a powerboat this weekend. No, wait a minute. Those aren't uh, part of the (laughs) race. Uh, George Buter, why is diesel fuel forbidden in the Le Mans hypercar regulations? For hashtag me personally, diesel is the best type of fossil fuel for endurance racing. More energy density than petrol. Uh, It is still used successfully at the Dakar rally. So, Graham, fess up.
1: I I think the answer is likely to be they're looking to do what they can to simplify the process of balancing a performance moving forward and uh adding in different fuels with you're quite right about the uh the properties of diesel uh, simply overcomplicates that again whether or not i mean it, it was ultimately you know a bit of an anchor around the neck wasn't it with the uh the Audi versus the Peugeot versus the Toyota, that one of the things they were having to actually deal with, and by the way, dealt with very well, was the fact you had two, uh, three hybrid uh, race cars, uh, the Toyota, the, the uh, Porsche, and the Audi, two of which were, in US parlance, gasoline-fueled, the other of which was diesel-fueled. It was just another area where complicated sums had to be done to get to the stage where you've got equivalence of performance across the three. The fact that they managed it as well as they did is a pretty remarkable testament to the abilities that were shown by the ACO and FIA there. They're going to have to do that and more, though, when we get into the Le Mans hypercar and LMDH era, where we're talking a mix of rear-wheel drive, four-wheel drive, spec hybrid, non-spec hybrid, God knows what kind of engines, uh, all sorts of... Um, you know combinations of that that I think we've we've discussed adding an item uh Marshall is gonna be the biggest challenge to make this new era click.
0: Ten four. Uh where do we go next? Ferrari Mash, Mash- Mashu? sure we'll go with Mashu. Matthew license says if GT Pro is going away in the near future, doesn't that create another budget, large budget for Ferrari to spend elsewhere in the form of a hypercar entry? if so, should GTE Pro go away by the end of the year to get Ferrari to commit to hypercar? Ooh, kill an entire class to hopefully get uh, one manufacturer.
1: (laughs) I think the answer is, I think signs are good that Ferrari is in very active consideration of what they might do in sports cars. I think it's pretty clear that GTE Pro is unlikely to continue uh, beyond 2021. It's not definitely the case. We might squeeze another year out of it, but I think it's likely that we'll see the end of it at the end of 2021. Uh, but I think it's looking positive that Ferrari are uh, in some level of evaluation or development of a proposal, a potential program. Um, it would not be a surprise to me if we started to hear solid. Uh, information that that was beginning to roll. I've heard some positives about that, but equally, as you'll reflect, MP, and particularly with your uh, your other major specialism in IndyCar, wouldn't it be the first time, it won't be the last time that we've heard about things from Marinella that don't come to pass. Um, I hope they do. I think they should. Uh, if GTE Pro has gone away, I, it, it's possible that they may determine that the best avenue for Uh, promoted their brand is in a kind of pro uh, side of gt3 racing away from the aco rules racing but there's something about the kind of spirit of competition uh that sits there within whatever else ferrari might be not all of it always always good i should say in terms of the way in which the brand is kind of pushed forward that i think they are going to find it increasingly irresistible that their principal on-track competition and for that matter market competition are looking very closely at a formula that they've got every opportunity to be part of so uh israeli news no are there any rumors of course there are um have we heard those rumors before that turn out to be completely false yes we have um if you ask me to put a number on it marshall i'd say sixty forty. they come
0: gotcha Let's see, where else can we go here before switching to another category of your choosing? Let's see, why don't we go to Jacob Bame? How you doing, Jacob? Uh, Jacob. Is Cyril Tesh Wallen considering leaving either Dubai or Yas Marina on the Asian Le Mans calendar in the upcoming seasons? Should this one be a success, or do you think we're talking one-time only deals?
1: I think it's a great question. Um, it, it, it's no doubt at all that the the shift to the United Arab Emirates was a, a contingency. Um, the late change to uh, Dubai has created all sorts of additional layers. Uh, I've not seen surreal with as furrowed a brow as he's had for most of the week for forever. Um, he has plans to get us back to normality and normal calendar as soon as possible. I know he was desperately sad that we didn't have the opportunity to deliver on the plan to take the the, uh, series to Suzuka. I know he'd like to take the cars down under again at some point, but you cannot argue with the numbers that have been achieved on this grid, there are 36 cars here. That is seven more than we have ever seen for any race in the Asia Le Mans series before. I'll add into that, by the way, that it could have been significantly more than that if Asia, uh, Southeast Asia had been slightly more open than it currently is. We lost the two Uh, absolute racing cars uh, very late on with the final decision by the team that they could not uh, travel out of China. Um, I'm not going to give you uh, a, a, a definitive number. I'll just tell you right now that there were significant periods of time where a number significantly into the 40s, and not just with additional GT cars, uh, was very much in focus. You cannot ignore the fact that clearly this format has been popular with uh, a large number of teams that have not raced in this uh, this championship before. And I've long been a fan of a potential calendar that sees a little bit more cooperation between the European Le Mans series, the Asian Le Mans series than we've seen before, a little bit of spread in the calendars, would neatly accommodate something, quite what that might be, whether or not it's a kind of one-off festival with testing, um, you know, on route between Europe and Asia. I'd like to see it. I do like visiting this region. I like racing this region. The tracks here, I think, are great. You know, Bahrain is a you know a great track to visit. I do enjoy the Dubai Autodrome. Um, I like Yas Marina an awful lot. Um, so, other active plans? No, because right now I think it's impossible to plan um are is there a train of thought that this has been a bit of a head turner yes if i was the aco i'd be looking at what's been achieved here thus far and thinking what should we be learning from this what what should we be learning in terms of not just format, but the physical location of the race it simply is more accessible to more teams who have more commitments than uh, some places further to the east final thing to say about it by the way is there has been some criticism about the fact that the uh, championship is here in the United Arab Emirates I've even heard people who frankly should know better saying it's not properly Asia it's either Asia or it's not it is Asia and if you want to look for the yardstick why this is the most sensible um, uh, solution to the problems that the global pandemic has thrown out to us Take a look um, on the Wikipedia page for the 2020 GT World Challenge Asia and you'll find a blank page. Uh, That's what we're dealing with. That championship didn't happen. Um, The fact that the tiny team behind the Asia Le Mans series have achieved what they've achieved, that we've got every single car uh, here that said they were definitely coming, I think is remarkable and a remarkable Uh, achievement all the way through we just hope now we're going to have 16 hours of close and safe racing
0: one more to go brother man in weck aslam elms Aco comes from our pal s r a smoking puppy 841 says each of the last two years the 24 hours of le mans has received 75 entry applications graham Mm -hmm. any estimates for how many we will get this year says hashtag me personally, the official hashtag of our podcast. I'm expecting a lower number, but I wonder if this expectation could be a double bluff as such and encourage outsiders who usually wouldn't get in, uh, such as Asian Le Mans series GT teams, to try their luck uh, with a decent chance of being higher than, say, eighth place reserve. So what do you think for overall car counts?
1: Uh, Well, the question was actually posed to me earlier on by uh, LMPT. LMP2 team owner what do I think their chances are of getting a full entry for their car and there's the way that I normally do this it's a numbers game you look at the available um, uh, slots, that number is 62 uh, with the two uh, temporary garages uh, that were added for United Northern Sports two years ago uh, you take away from that number the number of full season WEC entries Uh, You take away from that number the number of automatic entries awarded for the previous season that you believe will be taken up. You take away from that number um, any factory cars that you believe might be coming from the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, and that will be a small number indeed uh, in uh, 2021. And you're left with a number that basically is what can be chosen from European Le Mans series, other potential takers for the Interweather Tech Sports Car Championship and the Asia Le Mans series before you get into any it's not in any of those who would then have to commit to uh, a future program to, uh, to 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 qualify for that so i think the answer is you're going to see a significant number of the LMP2 cars from the ELMS taking part in it i would Im- imagine we will see some of the cars from the uh, Asian Le Mans series there, it's not a huge LMP2 grid, uh, but uh, the cars that are, no, uh, that are not on the LMS grid are the Phoenix Racing Orica, uh, is not a full season LMS entry, that was a surprise, they will be, I'm told by uh, the family that uh, runs Phoenix Racing, uh, entering races on a race-by-race basis. Uh, in the ELMS, I suspect they might look for a couple of WEC entries as well, uh, WEC race-by-race um, uh, race entries as well. We've got the Jota car that is already doing the WEC. We've got ERA Motorsport that have committed to, not only to the full season in IMSA and Asia, but now to the Asia Le Mans, so the European Le Mans Series 2. We've got uh, the two G-Drive racing cars that are doing a European Le Mans Series. We've got the Algar Pro racing uh, car that is... Uh, committed to the European Le Mans series we've got the Racing Team India car that is doing Asia only and I think they've got high hopes that that will be an eye-catching possibility what I think I think we might see the Indian car on the the Le Mans 24 hours uh, entry I think that would be a good uh, box to tick and why shouldn't it be they've been competitive so far This week, I think we'll see a lot of the regular entries from the European Le Mans series in both P2 and GTE on that list. And we might see a couple of our friends from IMSA making the trip again if the travel restrictions allow those things to happen. The 75 number, it's an interesting number, isn't it? Do the numbers, I think is the answer there. 33, I think it was for the full season for WEC. Of the 43 on the full season for ELMS, take away the 17 LMP3 cars and you're left with 26. I think that's right. So there's further 26 potential uh, eligible entries from the ELMS. And if you take out LMP3 and the GT3 cars for starters, there's a couple of cars that aren't entered anywhere else from the Asian Le Mans series LMP2 grid. Add in the teams that are on the grid for GT3 in the Asian Le Mans series. Remember that four of those cars will have auto entries. And my guess would be, you won't see any other than the four uh, that come as auto entries from Europe, uh, from the Asian Le Mans series, but you will see some of the European Le Mans series GTE teams getting the nod.
0: We have about 30 to 35 minutes left to go in the show. Direct us, my man, my man, where we will take questions next. Should we take a few IMSA questions? I think we probably should. Okay. Um,
1: let's have a look at Scott Bell and, for that matter, Lanky Turtle. Hello, Lanky Turtle, uh, man that provides lots of lovely uh, trackside video in f- Super 4K. They're talking about IMSA calendar flexibility. Scott says, apparently, we need to lay off... Uh, Ryan Kish, he doesn't deserve all this roasting. Yes, he does. You need to travel with him to discover just what a poorly human being he is. Just hear his okay.
0: voice. I mean, there there's oh, a chemical me. reaction of, you know, <laughs> just you need to take all kinds of pills and uh, get inoculated. So uh, I greatly disagree with that notion. And then there's the pet killings. I mean, that, that, that,
1: that, that will <sighs> be, I'm sure, at
0: some point, a,
1: there will be a Hollywood franchise, Kish, the destroyer. Um, okay, now to his question. With COVID being a thing, apparently it is, does IMSA have any backup plans or tracks in mind what comes to mind about calendar flexibility? Added into that, our friend Lanky Turtle says, do you think the IMSA races at Detroit, uh, Watkins Glen and Mossport will run as scheduled this year? Could we see a backup plan again with ex- Daytona, Super Road Atlanta? I guess the question here is, clearly there's no pre-announced contingency. But is there a contingency plan?
0: Of course, yeah. Uh, We've mentioned uh, multiple times on the show when this has been raised in various other manners. Yes, (laughs) any racing series that participated and put on a championship in 2020 that does not have a contingency plan in place to react to COVID in 2021, uh, all those people should be fired because that's probably the number one addition to annual championship planning to come out of the uh, most recent season. So yes, without a doubt, we, I would say, well, what if this race is off? Where would they go? What if that, what if this is pushed back? Just look to last season as a roadmap, knowing that we did get the Rolex 24 in Sebring was canceled, then restored, then moved to the end of the year. Did not get going again, although we had round one in January. Round two was not until July. So I don't know if we're going to see the same kind of shutdown. I don't think we're going to, uh, meaning everything gets turned off for a long period. But we do have Sebring coming up in a little over a month. Then, I th- if I remember correctly, next is Mid-Ohio in early May. Long Beach has been moved to September. So there's already been a little bit of movement and adjustments done. But yeah, I would just say that if we face this again, we know that there are certainly uh, some places that could be used if necessary. Charlotte Roval comes to mind. That seemed to be something that a lot of folks enjoyed from the competition side. Obviously not a huge fan turnout there, but I would just say look to what we had the past season and realize that, yes, there's already a playbook there's well-defined processes in place and again in a very general sense uh, they are absolutely prepared to adjust if need be we just don't know what those adjustments might be beyond uh, the ones that have already been made i mean we've even going to sebring uh, we've lost half of the feature event with the wc opting not to go so continual adjustments good friend of the show who does our cartoons and and whatnot roger warwick had to (laughs) cook up a non uh weck sebring poster i believe as well they wanted a that turned around quickly which went out here in the last couple of days so already been doing some adjusting just anticipate that if more is required for whatever reason i don't think there's going to be any real surprises from that i am not expecting any great shocks But if we do end up losing an event or one does get moved or gets transferred to another facility, if say a state says, nope, you can't play here right now, I don't think any of it's going to strike the series or its participants in any kind of crazy way. Last little thing I'll mention here, which is just the twist that's not operational. I think I mentioned this before, Graham, uh, more on the IndyCar side, but the whole COVID clause is a very, very new thing to sponsorship contracts. And that is, okay, you want us to do a thing? Cool. We'll pay you money to do that, to promote our stuff, and put our name on your car, or rep our brand, whatever it might be. In instances where these are true full sponsorships, not wealthy AM driver bringing their company uh, to the car and, you know, he or she is the CEO and they have money to play with as a result, but true independent sponsorships, any new things that were executed for 21, guarantee you there's a COVID clause that says if one race is lost, if this has changed, if that's changed, here's how we're going to deal with it. And so it's just very different than past contracts, which would have just normally said we're paying you X amount for the season, there are so many races in that season, we expect our logo to be in the car at all those races, and if for whatever reason, a team has to shut down, driver can't continue, whatever kind of catastrophic reason, premature exit happens, well, they settle up, figure out how to you know, do that amicably. That's a lot different than, okay, we're going into things now saying, here's the specific value we're putting on each race. And if this one comes off the calendar, well, you're not getting this amount of money. Or if we've paid it to you and then it changes soon after, we get this amount back. That's the big twist. So that's why if we do have more changes, I'm not so concerned, Graham, on the series and operational side. They'll figure it out. It'll be a pretty smooth thing. They'll deal with it. It's more the, ooh, what number of teams throughout the five Categories in the WeatherTech Championship or Michelin Pilot Challenge or similar. How does changes, how would changes or event deletions affect the bottom line for some teams that probably really need that money to survive?
1: Yep, I think that's it. Uh, it's impressive to see how many have done so far, and they do need. Well, if not the active support, then no active intervention That's going to make it more difficult. Let's move on to Drew Wetzel. Drew says, Jim Glickenhaus insinuated during the Rolex 24 that his Le Mans hypercar cars would be competing there at the Rolex 24 in 2023. Quoting the most recent edition of Racer... Quote, on current timelines, the two classes, LMH and LMDH, would go head-to-head at the 2023 Rolex 24. Drew asks, are these wishful thoughts, or is the behind-the-scenes expectation that LMH cars will be racing a Daytona in 2023, MP?
0: So, (laughs) I have to apologize because I failed to do the one thing I told myself to do when I saw Drew's question come in, and that was... Go to page eight of the latest issue of Racer magazine, where that is apparently written to make sure or find out who wrote that um, because uh, can
1: I, add, can I, I can add one thing to this by the way, which is a direct conversation with Jim about this very matter, and just add a little bit of color to it. There's one other aspect to, to this which bears re- a repetition, which is, uh, I, I, as you and I know him well, uh, MP, a uh, direct reach out to uh, to Jim from uh, John Doonan. Um, and in that conversation, Mr Glickenhouse tells me that there was a polite apology for any offence and any misunderstanding about the word mainstream in mainstream manufacturers. You remember in the very early days of this that uh, that was felt to be something of a snub to the, I'll call them minnows, and that's not meant as a derogatory term, they're just rather smaller than Toyota uh, that uh, house racing. Um, it's a fair point uh, that th- th- there seems to be less negativity about it, if not absolute positivity. I guess the question is this, MP. Is the door closed or is it being left open? And in which case, on what terms? Is it because we're not sure what's going to be required in terms of numbers? Is it because there's a wait and see being applied to uh, whether BOP proves to be simple or very, very difficult uh, across LMDH or LMH? Um, what, what do we know from the, the position of IMSA at the moment on Le Mans hypercar? Because it has been very quiet.
0: Well spotted by Drew. I just read that passage on page 8 in the latest issue of Racer Magazine. I did not write it, so I'm glad about that. Um, I was concerned that he was citing my own work, and I'm like, I don't remember writing that, but I don't really commit these things to long-term memory, so, geez, did I say that? Um, that would be an error. Uh, to that would It would be in error to suggest that... We do indeed have a a situation coming up where um, these timelines will converge at Daytona in 2023 with the brand new hypercar formula set to debut here shortly and then Mm -hmm. uh, LMDH to follow in 23, knowing that the delay in large part is due to the fact that we won't have the spec hybrid systems ready for Uh, distribution and shipping until at least mid 2022 there has been no change whatsoever about lmh being permitted to compete in imsa in 2023 there and that to clarify imsa has never said it will happen and there's been no change no yes we have decided to allow lmh in nothing So, and I know that there are a couple of questions uh, which uh, pose similar things. You know, hey, with Hypercar coming to uh, Daytona or IMSA, you know, that door being opened for 23, that door's not open. I don't know if it will be. I don't set the rules. They don't exactly tell me when they, uh, they don't put me on the Zoom calls when they get together to discuss it at IMSA. But as of right now, there is zero change in the lack of opportunity for Le Mans hypercars to come and race in IMSA once the LMDH IMSA's formula which is also allowed in WEC but IMSA's formula makes its debut in 23 I I can't speak for our pal Mr Glickenhaus I do wonder though if there's a little bit of a clarification needed, in terms of Jim, the Glickenhaus brand Scuderia Cameron Glickenhaus brand competing at Daytona in '23, uh, or heck, maybe even next year. Who knows? Um, with their 004, which is meant to be uh, going through homologation process to be uh, a official. GT3 recognized model that could therefore compete in GT3 based championships uh, compared to the 007 hypercar. Could I see Jim's 004 at the Rolex 24 Daytona? In again, whenever they were to get the homologation done, could I see that car arriving next year, the year after, and running in GTD Pro or just straight up GTD in the Pro Am model? I could. I really could. If that was a desire by Jim and some customers, I could see that happening. Jim having his gorgeous, swoopy, man, please let me have one of them. I promise to give it back at some point in time. Uh, 007 hypercars. That, I think, is a real, real stretch. So doors open to Jim's GT3 once it becomes a GT3. Doors not open to Jim's hypercar, Toyota's hypercar, Peugeot's hypercar, uh, come LMDH hitting the ground and becoming a real live active racing uh, formula in North America. The last thing, just to close quickly, Graham, on this, we are talking about this today, of course, in the middle of February 2021. Could there be Mm -hmm. changes, uh, agreements, whatever it might be, between IMSA, the ACO, and the WC to allow Hypercar in starting in 23? I think that's a little doubtful. We've said before, IMSA has been somewhat clear, not making a lot of public statements, but you ask on background a little bit. They tell you, hey, we really do want to get in at least a year with our new formula in 23. Figure it out, benchmark it, get it. Then maybe we'll think about rolling in a completely different formula to race head-to-head and go for overall wins if folks want to show up to our races here. So could this change? Of course. Do I think it's going to change for first year of LMDH? No. But could I see this changing the second year, third year? Very possibly.
1: Uh, I, I'm going to just chuck in a quick follow-up because there's one point you made there that does lead itself open on the back of a question we took last week about the 004, and I think that's a good point, there Glickenhaus That uh, homologation, I think it's when there's 200 cars complete or sold that FIA GT3 homologation can be applied. Here's the question, MP, though. I think there's every expectation, every possibility rather, that Corvette Racing might choose – not to go for a GT4, FIA, GT3 homologation, but to build cars to those regulations with every expectation they'll be accepted into competition. Question is this. If they're allowed to do that, surely someone else should be allowed to do that.
0: Oh, without a doubt. So this is another sub, sub, sub chapter to the love-hate, but now it's feeling a little bit more like love uh, relationship between IMSA and SCG. They seem to be on good terms. There seems to be positive energy towards something happening in the future. Could this, if it were to be of interest to Jim, could this be something that Jim seeks there? I believe he's told us they're looking at GT3 homologation for the 004 via Correct. Italian uh, Italian measures. That's where his cars, a lot of things are built there and made there, um, Correct. for him. But I believe he said Italy is the route that he would be pursuing for that. But to your greater point, is there any reason between Jim and IMSA saying, all right, well, we do want to race the double fours over here. Can we do a quote IMSA GT three homologation? I would think IMSA would be open and amenable to that. I also I don't just think I know that if IMSA were to do that, I think it could pique the interest of some other very small production run compared to the big manufacturers who play in GT3. I think this could be a really interesting signal to some other brands to say, oh, are they now? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe this is something we should come and do as well. The natural counter to that would be the high production number manufacturers of GT3 cars, your Porsches, your Audis, et cetera, saying, "Uh, saying, uh, hold on here. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, we're here. We've been in this space for a long time. This is a very, you know, while it's a pro-am category, this is something we're heavily invested into. Uh, don't start tipping this in favor of those who truly might make less than than a thousand vehicles per year road car wise much less race cars um that would be the real question how do we do this and welcome the scgs in on a domestic level without angering the manufacturers big manufacturers who sell and support their cars in gt3 as well so there's a little bit of protectionism if that's a word uh to consider here too so always complicated right graham it's never just like, oh ah, we want to do it, absolutely. we did it. Yeah, we're done. Um, speaking <laughs> of done, I know that we have a number of IMSA questions, and as always, if we don't get to them and you really want us to answer them, please submit them again. We do have uh, some other stuff to get to okay. like in, in Heggenaral. So your call, brother, on whether we hit the stop button on IMSA and move with the last 15 minutes in the show or stay and do another, whatever you
1: want. Uh, let's have a quick look at here, General, and it's mainly that rather than the FUN uh, category. I'm just looking down here for Seamus Cunningham says, uh, and that's a name I've not seen before uh, on the weekend sports cars. If you are new to us, Seamus, welcome, welcome. Does SRO still do a group test for GT3 to start the 2021 bop penis wars? And if so, how do they deal with the different car-tire combinations uh, or a hang on a second, I've scrolled. To, uh, or a car not being set up optimally for the test track. Do you think an independent test like this? Uh, might be a good model for the coming LMH, LMDH. Uh, this refers to, well, we've, we've seen uh, BOP tests done at Paul Ricard. There's also an element uh, in terms of the homologation side and BOP done for GT3 and GT4 cars, um, typically at Michelin's test track uh, in France uh, to basically get some baseline values. Pretty famously, it was those tests that uh, where the inability of the earlier uh, versions of the Lexus RCF proved to be outside the required operating window and it's effectively sent back to try again uh, b minus on the scorecard there. Um, I believe they still have those tests the, the, I guess the the point here is have they got anything new to test and the answer at the moment. Uh, until we get to the new BMW um, fish face uh, g t three i think that 's its uh, its name. I did see by the way my first um, two examples of the road car version of that car by god it 's ugly uh, oh, really it is it 's it's, it's, it's breathtakingly poor uh, as a piece of styling. Um, hopefully the race car just adds you know a little bit more. You know, a little bit less visual impact actually uh but it, it you, you would require those tests if there is new machinery to be tested and at the moment there isn't um that we, we are you know, obviously there's a new uh gt3 rules coming for 2022 uh we know there's gonna be some evo evo versions of current cars they'll be uh, having the ruler laid over them i'm sure BMW are coming with a new rules car. I think you and I both know that there are at least one, I suspect at least two others that we can expect for 2022 to be announced in due course, MP. But um, I'm not sure we'd need the test this year, is the straight answer. And, uh, you know, from the point of view of actually getting cars and people across Europe at the moment, I think everybody would breathe a sigh of relief if that were the case.
0: I'm going to steal one and roll it over into a general from fun from James Bishop says, have you both sampled Mm. five guys and in and out hamburgers and which comes out as the number one hamburger. And I, I, yes, this is where I want your insight because as the fat guy in the show, it'd be a little bit on the nose for me to answer.
1: Uh, Well, the answer is yes, I have Uh, enjoyed both them thoroughly. Uh, If you're looking for the kind of culinary, um, uh, I found in and out less greasy, uh, to be absolutely honest with you. I didn't think it was quite as spectacular as people said it was. I think the Five Guys version is extremely tasty. We now, by the way, have Five Guys in the UK. You do? Fact, wow! Uh, we do. We do. Uh, and, and in fact, hilariously, just across from the Dubai Autodrome, uh, there's four guys, <laughs> uh, which is... is well, there you go. But... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, a bit of a gourmet burger. Uh, it's certainly uh, a gutful, isn't it? That it's uh, there's there's no shortage of weight in either product. Um, I think both fine examples of Um And uh, yeah, I, I couldn't eat one every day. It'd kill me by Friday, I think. But uh, if you had to put a gun to my head and ask me which I prefer the taste of, I think it's possibly Five Guys, but it does get
0: rather messy only thing i'll contribute here between the two is five guys at least in america they use filler so it's a bit like finding little pieces of tire marble in your okay. hamburger and so yeah uh that's a little issue here uh jacob bame he's back well he's never he never left i don't know why i said he's back um <laughs> Obscure question of the week. He loves this. This is his own category that he's come up with. This is how much Jacob is stuck right. into this nonsense. You and I cobble together each week during, and I'm reason I'm reading this is I'm reading it to you, which is a cop out. Cause I have no idea what the hell he's talking about, but that's usually <laughs> the case during the 2002 24 hours of Le Mans producers of the uh, Michel Vaillant movie fielded two LMP 900 cars to shoot racing scenes. One, which yep. is a Lola B9810, one of Panos yep. LMP1 Roadster S. I do actually know what he's talking about here. But anyways, what do you do. remember yep. about that race in con, in the context of those cars? Also, do you know what happened to them after the filming was done? So I wasn't right. there in 2002. Tell us stories, Uncle Graham.
1: Right. So the Panos was run by Dams, I seem to recall, uh, in 2002. The Lola was the I think it was a Chamberlain Synergy run car? Dams may have actually run it for the uh for the uh the uh, race. Watch the the uh the movie, it's it is 75,000 different types of awful, um, which sort of makes it cool. It's a bit like I know you have, how can I put this? Lifelong accept, uh, obsession with the movie-driven. I think you might find another mission in life were you to become a fan of the uh, the, the the movie, the Michelle Violet mo- uh, uh, movie. In the same way that I'm sort of fascinated by the original uh, French taxi movies, I think they're superb. Uh, very French sense of humour that actually applies to them. Don't recall much about their performance in the race proper. Um, And I do remember actually having uh, someone post to me, post to me the question um, uh, whether I could remember the drivers in those cars. And the answer was, at that point, I couldn't. Uh, It was just trying to think off the top of my head right now. And I got a feeling was was Clerico in that car? Uh, I don't think they did particularly well is a straight answer. But then again, you'd expect that with cars that are distracted by the need for filming. And I've got a funny feeling that the Panos didn't finish the race. In fact, I've got a feeling it was a reasonably uh, early retirement uh, from the race. You know what? I think thinking about it and it only comes up because of a conversation I had with another uh, kind of mutual pal. I think Perry McCarthy drove that Panos. Uh, and I'm pretty certain that car retired early, which gave the production staff some significant problems. But um, Dam's definitely involved in it. That much I most certainly do know. Obviously, Dam's, you know, based uh, around Le Mans. Um, but uh, they were. It was a bit of a sideshow. You'd expect that. There's a bit of hoopla around it for what was, to be blunt, a very French film. Indeed, I am a big fan of the Michel Vaillant comics. I'm actually collecting the compendium books of those comics as I go. They're not terribly expensive. Uh, so when I have a, a, a few extra shekels, I'll tend to throw some money at an online bookstore and get one of them. But uh, I do remember them. They are extremely quirky. It was red and black, if I remember rightly, the uh, panels. the leader car. He is the, the bete Noir of Michel Vaillant. And Vaillant's car was the blue lola with i think a kind of chevron on the front of it and it was another um motorsport movie mp as you'll see when i find some way of getting the full movie to you that does feature a ludicrous uh on street uh sort of chase scene with real life racing cars
0: oh that just sounds delightful (laughs) can i mention that just randomly flipping through channels late last night came across an actor who was on a a late night talk show mentioning that or talking about his new project, which I think he said is coming to Netflix next week. Uh, I don't remember the name of it, pit crew or something like that, but he plays a NASCAR crew chief. Uh, It's the actor, Kevin James. Um, So although not sports car related, uh, Netflix is not averse to motor racing themed content by any means. I just have to wonder if thinking what the world needs right now is some form of NASCAR crew chief sitcom. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I'm hoping that we get some some listeners who happen to watch. I think we could say it's probably going to be terrible, but who knows, who watch and report for next week's show. Again, it's not sports cars, but, hey, it's crap, uh, and it's racing-related. Those two things, kind of the genesis of the Weekend Sports Car Show. All right, Graham Goodwin, uh, we have minutes to go. Just two or three. Okay. Uh, shall you choose uh, maybe will, one question to bid farewell?
1: I'll choose one really quickly. Uh, Clement Rosin asks, What happened to Labra Competition? They've not competed in any ACO events since Le Mans 2019. Not quite true. Um, we have seen, I did. Uh, uh, bump into, um, the competitions, uh, boss. At, I think it was Paul Ricard And I'm pretty certain. Yes, it was. He filled a couple of cars in the Ligier European series, which is of course aligned to the European Le Mans series, uh, last year. He's lost the love for It's a straight answer. Um, he's, you know, I, I could, I could use the words that, uh, uh, Jacques Lacan's actually used to me, but they were fairly rude about, uh, those that, uh, uh, put motor races together uh, on the international fronts. And I think he's lost the love for it. I think you'll see Jacques out and about doing more club-level events and historic racing events, but I do not expect to see Labra competition back. I think he feels just a bit battered by the commercial realities of things and the weight of regulation, which is rather sad for a team that is that storied. Uh, so sadly, on, no, I don't think you're going to see uh, Labra competition in its original form at least back anytime soon.
0: Thanks to all of you who sent in stuff. Uh, we got some great stuff here. Kyle Brown, you sent in one about BOP. That would take a really long time to answer, but please send it in if you want us to get to it again. Uh, and Many of you, uh, we I think, yeah, we got a lot of questions, and we certainly appreciate them. I think almost 75 this week, so did our best to get to as many as we can in about the hour and a half or so that we try and limit for the show. Fire in the ones that you love and say you, Monkeys get to them, berate <laughs> us in the opening uh, of your resubmissions, and we'll do our best next time around. When I suspect Graham, we might be talking about a motor race that you are are currently presiding over with a certain tall man with the color yellow running through his veins. Take us home.
1: Yes, indeed. Hope to bring you some tales from uh, Mr. Uh, Oliver Gavin. Uh, Had some cracking chats over dinner, and that, I hope, will lead to a couple of Inside the Sports Car Paddock uh, chats with Ollie. We'll take you home by saying thank you uh, to you again the listeners for another spectacular inbox of questions thanks to ryan kish for putting those together for us again thanks to ump to putting the time in what's a very very busy week uh, on the news and professional fronts but of course most of all thanks to cooper tires to the justice brothers and to toronto for making this all possible i've been graham goodwin in dubai you've been marshall pruitt in your living room Um, uh, Oscar's clearly not here because he'd have to quarantine but that means no bananas Uh, Rocky and Rosie I'm sure were asleep and snoozing this has been the Week in Sports Cars we'll see
0: you next week and rest in peace Ryan Kish's Fish